Alright, here we go, y'all. Let's make this audio art. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Texan Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Donna Smoot, and today I'm with Alec Rosigno from the Dallas Morning News and from the very own Daily Texan, uh, Daniela Perez. What's going on, y'all? Hey. What is up? Fun weekend? Fun weekend, very yeah. Fun. We had a very fun weekend out in, in Waco watching the Bears beat the brakes off of, <laughs> off, off of Texas. That was fun. Uh, but every week, right, y'all know the deal. We start off with the icebreaker. And so be it that it's Thanksgiving week, what is y'all's favorite Thanksgiving food? Mine's turkey. Wow. I think the turkey's the best thing ever, I think, is super underground. Basic. The day after Thanksgiving, <laughs> like Black Friday, you like hop upstairs, you go in the fridge and you have leftover turkey and it lasts for like three weeks. You ever That's put delicious. it in a tortilla? I put it in like uh, like sandwich bread. That's pretty good. That's good. Yeah, turkey okay. sandwich. Fire with gravy, mashed yeah. potatoes. Mm. Gravy might be my second. Huh? <laughs> just, gravy is just so gravy? good. Just, just like, just, like, just, like just, you can't eat turkey or mashed potatoes without gravy. Tell me that's true. That's true. So. See, I don't know. Somebody could say you're not cooking your turkey right. It's not moist enough. You know what I'm saying? That's true. <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> wait. I feel like we should ask Divya what her favorite Thanksgiving food is. That's a good, good, good job, Divya. Uh, let's actually we should break it up into like top three. I feel like Divya has a lot of opinions on this. My top three Thanksgiving foods, um, mashed potatoes. This is in no particular order. Mac and cheese, but has to be done really well. Yeah. Totally. Um, and I really like dessert. Yep. Um, Wait, what's the go-to pie? The go-to pie? My mom usually makes apple. That's her. Whoa. That's the right answer. That is the right so. answer. That's the right answer. See, my answer was just going to be straight up pumpkin pie. Like, pumpkin pie is good. I wake up thinking about it. Really? Like, I I wish I could skip past the Thanksgiving meal so I could get straight to pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie to me is is not good. Yeah, that's I don't, trash I don't bag. really like it. Trash bag? I don't like it. I don't I like mean, the okay, so I don't know if it's I'm like sorry. trash bag, right? But it's not. It's you not, like canes. Not so let's not get into this. I don't True. know why I'm Bro, she goes to Cabo Bob's for brisket. Yeah. Oof. Y'all, can we talk about the, 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 the food that bag. they had at... Can we talk about the food that they had at Baylor? It was so that brisket was fresh, so good. She called uh, brisket uh, fresh. They had brisket. It was so good. Bro, we got we got move on. It was that Baptist brisket. Facts. It was wild. On God, <laughs> they. That's on God. We gotta talk about that. I don't know what I, I should have expected. I should have seen it coming. Baylor blasted Jesus is King during the football game. Shout out to Baylor for staying on brand to the ideals of their institution and playing a good album, right? Mm-hmm. And playing one of, and listen, I know people have, they have certain thoughts and feelings about Kanye and, and about that album, but there's a solid four songs that are objectively good on that on that project. On God is one of them. And Daniela could, can attest to this. When that song came on, I looked straight at her. Grab my arm so hard. Because I was very excited because y'all have to understand for the first half, all they're playing is just the most cliche and corny inspirational songs. Like they played Eye of the Tiger and the Rocky theme back to back. It was like for the alumni to get into it. Exactly. And so it was bad. And so whenever you come out and you play on God, that's that's fire. That's what I wanted. You know who wasn't into the game? <laughs> who? Uh, just about everybody on the Texas team. Exactly. Except, I, I mean, Tom Herman, I guess he was kind of into it before the game. <sighs> should we talk about that? We, we, we probably should. I mean, he was probably concussed <laughs> during the entire game, right? Listen, 
what's the point of that? Like, there's no upside for it. Is for th- there? For those of you who haven't seen it, um, before the game, Tom Herman was seen grabbing Malcolm Roach by the head and... For some reason, I, I haven't figured it out. I'll do some reporting on this. But um, he decided to slam his head into Roach's helmet. Well, he said why he wanted to do it. He said yeah. that he used to do it at Ohio State, that, and it that, got him hyped up, and now he's an old man, apparently. Yeah, that's just not the answer I'm looking for. Like, what does he does he think about the long-term effects of this? Anyway, he, he grabbed Roach's head, Roach's head, slams his head into Roach's helmet once, twice, three times, and then kind of pulls away. And then pulls Roach in one more time for a fourth hit, and I'm just like, "What are you? What are you doing?" The the funny part about it is that the way that Herman was banging his head on Roach's helmet, that's how everybody felt watching. Te- <laughs> that's how everybody felt watching Texas's offense. That's facts. Right? Mm-hmm. You have three points in the entire game. Right? I refuse to count that touchdown. That was a weak touchdown. You score it with 20 seconds left. You start on the opposite 40. It's garbage time. It was with one second left, right? And mm-hmm. you call a timeout. <laughs> Right, the game is over, and we all know what's gonna happen. But because of your pride, you call a timeout with five seconds left and try to run it in. I would have even said I, we don't even deserve to score. Like, yeah, go to I the agree. locker room. Hon- we don't deserve honestly, to put up you don't. You don't. The way that they, sh- the way that they came out and performed Saturday, they they didn't deserve the opportunity to to save their pride. I mean, this was a game that that obviously they needed to win to have any type of hope for their season to stay mm-hmm. alive. And you come out and you you do a dead like that. And the three points that they had was on a crazy 68-yard run by Keontae Ingram with, what, 10 seconds left in, in the, in the like, first half? 18 left. They were just trying to run the clock out to yeah. get into half. Exactly. And they got lucky that Keontae breaks one, Dicker knocks it in, and, the, and they get three Icon. points, right? Outside of that last drive, the Texas offense didn't make it to the red zone the entire game. Yeah. They, they got into the red zone down the stretch in the fourth quarter, but by the time they got in, I think it was five minutes left in the in the game. And I mean, the game was decided. You're down twenty-one three, um, and there's I mean, there's really nothing you can do. I think it was even twenty-four three. Um, and so uh, they got in the red zone with, like I said, five minutes left, and then you get it one more time um, with a second left. And it's just it was hard to watch just because of what we saw this offense do against LSU mm-hmm. and even against Oklahoma in the second half. Yep. Um, and for them, I don't think I've ever seen this. I mean, I've seen the offense look like this from Texas, but I haven't seen them get to the point to where they were at the level of putting up over 30 on LSU and then struggling to get seven yeah. in a game against any Big 12 opponent. So I haven't really wrapped my mind around that. I know um, it, it would be weird because, I mean, they beating Baylor, you'd still be – what seven and four? You'd be seven and four, and I mean your season's still not in good shape. But it's a win over Baylor, and it's a lot better than being six and five. Mm-hmm. The I mean, but the key right moving forward, everything that needed to happen, there was there was only one scenario that was hard to see happening, right? And that's Baylor losing to Kansas in the final week of the season. Everything else was kind of was kind of up in the air and very, very possible, right? You needed you needed Iowa State to lose one game and they play Kansas State, who's a who's a good team, right? In the last week of the season. Texas needs to win out. If they go in and they beat Baylor, then they come back on Black Friday, they play Texas Tech who is five and four and seven. They're, yeah, they yeah, just lost Kansas right, State. Right, so. they're, they're four and seven. And um, and so you have you have that that dynamic. And so there were a lot of things that while they were while they seemed like a long shot, probably could have happened. I mm-hmm. I just don't. It's really really weird to me to see this team 
I guess, fall apart the, the way that they did, right? See, but I have to disagree. Just because I think this is something that has been happening since TCU, since Oklahoma. I mean, this offense has been falling apart. I mean, the off or the offensive line, like last night, let, what, five sacks on Ellinger? So this offensive line allowed five sacks against Ellinger last night. I mean, just talk about red zone ex- execution. Like, they were literally in the end zone once with 10 seconds left and they scored. It's honestly embarrassing, but this is something that dates back way before this game, way before, you know, their loss, their almost loss to um, Kansas. I mean, it dates back to, I think, Oklahoma, and I think that's when this program really started struggling offensively. And on the like the counterpart, I feel like the defense actually played pretty well last night. I think DeMarvio and Overshawn had one of the best games. I mean, he recovered that fumble in first quarter. I thought that was pretty great. And, I mean, he – that's the weird thing is we talked about this last week. Is this was the defense that everybody was worried about? The same defense that is the only reason Texas has been in these mm-hmm. last three games. Um, I think we were kind of talking about it on the ride back to Austin last night. You know where did where was the breaking point or where did this kind of start? And I think we kind of hit the nail on the head last or on the car ride when we talked about just the utter confidence that this team had going into OU week. Mm-hmm. And what Sam Cosme said, he hasn't talked to us since then, um, but just him saying that OU doesn't really have anything to be worried about. This team was very confident going into that week. And then you get three points in the first half, and that was a blowout. I mean, it was a seven-point difference, but, I mean, they were not in that game. Um, And since then, Texas has not looked good at all. I mean, you almost lose to Kansas. You beat Kansas State by a field goal. You lose to TCU, Iowa State, Baylor. And, I mean, you really just haven't had a pulse offensively for a large part of each of those games. Mm-hmm. They they haven't been able – and this is – first of all, so, like, the story of the season is just the fact that they they haven't been able to put together a complete game, right? Mm-hmm. If, if the offense is working, the defense is, is off. If the, if the defense is on, the offense is off. And you have these – you have these these periods in the season where in the first half it's all offense, second half it's all defense. And that's that's – that, that's the problem, right? And the fact that they haven't been able to do it for 60 minutes, let alone two weeks, three weeks, and put together a stretch of games, right? But they mm-hmm. haven't been able to do it for one game con- consistently. That's the issue. And again, like just to go back to it, the the Oklahoma game, that that is the clear, that's the clear breaking point. They, they won a three-game win streak going into Oklahoma. They were feeling very good about themselves. And then they go clearly get outclassed by by Oklahoma and then since then they haven't won back-to-back games they're one and three in their last four games the um the offensive line allows sacks like like nobody's business and they just haven't been able to to do anything right they haven't been physical up front they haven't been able the one thing that they have been able to do is is run the ball but a lot of that is is about the volume right well I mean even I mean I would say that 54 rushing yards Right, and that that was that the Iowa State game, that was that was embarrassing, right? Yeah, you can't have eight three and outs on on the road, right? You you have there's just so many of these moments this season that we've seen with Texas where it's been right in their grasp, and the opportunity for them to do something has been right in front of them, mm-hmm. and they haven't been able to take it, right? And so the difference. The difference between this season and last season, everything went their way last season, right? In all of the close games, they they found a way. Yeah. And this year they regressed back to the mean, but the mean is the mean is what they were 
in year one of Herman. And that is that is an issue for for the fans. That's an issue for th- for the people inside the building. And so now where do you go from here? That's the question. You know, just talking about complimentary football, I mean, Baylor even scored more points on Oklahoma's defense than against Texas. So it's just not there. I I think something that the media is trying to figure out is what is this disconnect between not just the players, but the players and the coaching staff. Obviously, no one's going to say anything if there is one. But, you know, where is their confidence level at right now? I mean, we saw Malcolm Roach yesterday and a lot of those players with their heads down. I mean, they don't seem like they're in a really good place mentally. It's hard being part of a program that is so historic and so famous. And when you're not going well, it seems like it's the end of the world. And for those players, I mean, it is. All right, so you're right. For Texas, right, a 7-5 and five season, a 6-6 six and six season does seem like the end of the world. And so if they're on the edge, right, what bowl do they go to? Because a, a lot of this stuff, right, a lot of the uh, expectations and aspirations and dreams and hopes that they had before the season, all that, that's out the window yep. at, at this point, right? Yep. O- officially. It was probably gone uh, after Iowa State. You could probably see that it wasn't going to happen after TCU, but now it's it's wrapped up. We see that we see that everything's off off the table in terms of high level bowl games. So what what is there next, right? What are the bowl games that are possible for Texas to go to? So I think right now it seems that they're going to be going either to the Texas Bowl in Houston or the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. They are not even qualified enough to go to the Camping World Bowl in Orlando. That seems to be going to Oklahoma State right now. But, you know, like you said, Donovan, it's these hopes and dreams that these players had about going to, you know, another Sugar Bowl, another Big 12 championship, or maybe even the college playoff. I mean, that's some this, that's a conversation that we had after LSU that, you know, depending on LSU's season, maybe Texas and on them meeting Oklahoma, like they could even go to the college football champion or playoff. But... That seems to be all out the window now. And honestly, I feel for these players. It's it's really sad. So where do you have them going? To Texas and Liberty. Yeah, I think. So as of right now, Oklahoma, obviously above them. Baylor, obviously above them. And then Iowa State will have the tiebreaker over them. And they're already they're a game ahead of them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, if Oklahoma State, I, I don't know Texas has a high tiebreaker over Oklahoma State, but if Oklahoma State somehow beats Oklahoma, now they're above Texas. And so um, I've been looking at projections all day. I know it, it's going to depend on if the CFP puts Baylor into a New Year's Six. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean, if they win, they're automatically in the Sugar Bowl, and that, that'll give you two Big 12 teams in the New Year's Six games. But as of right now, uh, Iowa State's still above Texas, and Oklahoma State has a chance um, to jump Texas as well. I do. I, one of the funniest bowl projections I saw all day was uh, the Texas Bowl between the Texas Longhorns and the FIU Panthers, who just beat Miami by <laughs> a touchdown. Um, that would be fun, honestly. Like that's hilarious. I another projection I saw was uh, Texas and Notre Dame in the Camping World Bowl. But if they keep losing, I mean, Notre Dame's going to be ten and two to finish the season. You're not going to put seven and five Texas against ten and two Notre Dame. Yeah. So um, the tricky thing right now is SEC teams don't have a ton of bowl eligible teams that aren't really good and so uh you might be seeing texas in the texas bowl playing some random group of five team or in the liberty bowl same thing playing like a a cincinnati who i think could probably beat texas so uh it's it's gonna be tough i mean you're either in a really bad bowl game playing fiu who's not bad or in the liberty bowl playing cincinnati who would probably beat you i'm gonna tell you what i want i 
Listen, I'm rooting for them to go to the Texas Bowl simply because of the poetry of it, right? It's it's so poetic that that the records match, right? That that they you have year one in Herman, and so everyone kind of excuses it because it's like, okay, it's it's year one, and you have this in you have this insane year two, and then to to come back and fall down to the to the you know regress to the mean and be exactly where you are in year three than you. Uh, that you were in year one. Mm-hmm. The poetry of that is crazy considering where we thought this program was and just to know they are not where they are not where they want to be. They are not where we thought they were going to be. And the only place that they would be at is square one. And they have to redo this all over again. Mm-hmm. On a less poetic note, I just want them to go to Camping World because that's really close to my house. And I would love that. It's funny because like Sam Ellinger, I mean, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated twice on the main yep. cover yep. and on Sports Illustrated Kids. Mm-hmm. Kirk Herbstreit put Texas in the football playoff, which, I mean, is mind-boggling. I mean, the media really set these Texas fans up for failure from the, from the jump. It was a four-loss season last year, right? It was a, it was a four-loss season. Like, on the other side of 10 wins, which is really good, it was a four-loss season, which was one of their best seasons that's of, the, of this entire decade, that's right? That's the highlight yeah. of the decade, yeah. The 10-4 t- and four season... And the trip to the Big 12 championship game is the highlight of, of the decade. Yeah. And that's where you bring in, you know, we've talked about job security and all that. The thing looking forward to one more, you know, a year ahead of now, if all Texas has and all Tom Herman has to show for Sam Ellinger, four years of Sam Ellinger is one appearance in a New Year's Six and a pair of at least two appearances in a Texas Bowl or equivalent to the Texas Bowl, somebody's in trouble. Some Somebody ha- has to be in trouble, right? Like, again... The, the, pro- the progression and the way that things were supposed to go, everybody saw the talent in Ellinger year one. And mm-hmm. the, the problem with him was was the mistakes and just the dumb decisions that he would make at the end of games that would cost him games. But mm-hmm. that's what happens with freshmen. And he makes the jump, right? He makes the jump, especially with ball security in year two. And there, no nobody nobody's going to say it, and we we touched about this a little bit, but there's clearly a disconnect, right, between mm-hmm. between what Ellinger wants to do and what Herman wants to do and then what's being put out on there. And yeah. if Herman isn't able, right, the offensive guy that Herman is, if he's not able to figure this out and, and right this ship, because Ellinger and whatever you think about him as as a pro prospect that's that's irrelevant because mm-hmm. he's a good college quarterback right and that's what we're in right now and if herman isn't able to figure this out there are questions about herman that need to be answered and i think you'll probably get all the answers if we see that he's not able to figure them out and i think he just needs you know not i think you have to keep tim back as a quarterback's coach i don't think you need to let him go i do think you need to find though a legit offensive coordinator so Tom Herbert, because right now things are a lot harder for him than they need to be. I think, I mean, you have Tyler Orlando keep him for another year. And then I, they need to find an offensive coordinator that can rejuvenate and kind of just bring this offense back to life, especially yeah. with one more year for, for Sam. Um, and, yeah. I mean, that that is really the, the biggest thing that I see Texas doing over this offseason. Yeah, and, I mean, even if you watched the Baylor game yesterday, you would have seen that, you know, Sam Ellinger was the only one really making plays that was really dominating the offensive side of the ball in terms of Texas so I think it's I think it's really really sad just thinking about the expectations that were placed on them like you said on day one and where they are now it's it's been a forgetful decade for sure and it's really sad 
Do we have uh, predictions for Texas Tech? For Texas Tech? The line opened at 10, uh, 10 point favorites for the Longhorns. I think oh, they g- it's I mean, going to be senior day. It's going to be raining. 11 a.m. kickoff, Black Friday. There's probably going to be 45,000 people in the stands. Where would you rather be? Um, <laughs> where would you rather in be? In bed in my Nowhere. hometown. Nowhere. But I think, I, I think God, that game is going to suck. Um, I think Texas gets it. I think. The tricky uh, thing is, like, what if they can't put up? I mean, you have to put up points against Texas Tech. Yeah. At home, right? I, I, think, I think they get it. And I have enough faith. And maybe it's maybe it's misplaced, but I have enough faith in this team that they go out and get one win. Just get one win against a bad team at home and and be on your way to whatever bowl you're you're on your way to. I'm gonna say it's Texas as well, but I think it's gonna be way less. I think it's gonna be the score hmm twenty seven twenty four Texas. Yeah, and I, I do. We had. Uh, we do have to consider. I mean, Colin Johnson's. I, I doesn't look like he's going to come back for the rest mm-hmm. of the year, and I don't really blame him. There's nothing to play for, and I know he's not that type of player. I know I'd assume if he could come back and felt like he could come back, he would, just because that's what he's. That's kind of the brand that he's built at Texas. Um, but I mean, without him, we've seen what this team is, and that is six and five. And so, I. I know the line opened at 10, and it's a Sunday afternoon right now. So, I mean, this will probably change on Friday by the time Friday gets here. But uh, I've got Texas. I don't think they can get past that 30-point mark, so I'll probably put them at 27, and I'll put Tech at 24 as well. Um, But if they can't put up points, I mean, this Texas Tech team is probably going to be. It's going to be a very interesting Black Friday, and I, for one, cannot wait. That's all we have this week on Texan Overtime Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow Texan Sports on Twitter and read all of our amazing stories at dailytexanonline.com. See you guys next week. Boom!